0: what's up everybody welcome back to the 10th episode of the four Verge podcast yes the podcast is now 10 episodes old so that's cool for this episode we're pretty heavy on south carolina information due to one the other teams not having games this past weekend and two the firing of must champ and everything surrounding that uh, but thank you for joining in for the 10th episode i hope you enjoy it let's get it to the one game recap of the week, you know, due to bye weeks and COVID and stuff like that. Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Georgia did not play last weekend, so South Carolina was the only one. And they went to Oxford to play Ole Miss. And um, the 59-42 to 42 whooping was the final straw that broke the Camels back for the Will champ era in South Carolina. So, I guess you can look at that as a positive, you know, whatever way you want to spin that. Getting into the game, uh, the offense actually looked fine um, because Kevin Harris and Shai Smith just had monster nights. Shai Smith had 10 receptions, 117 yards, one touchdown, and he caught that uh, the opening drive touchdown, that one-handed from – he was playing in the slide. It was a little fade route from the slide, and he caught that one-handed. It was a nice little play right there. And then Kevin Harris, 25 carries, 243 yards – which is an average of 9.7 and five touchdowns. He had runs of 46, 44, and 32. So that's his career highs and the most rushing touchdowns by a running back in South Carolina history, or in a game, and the most yards against an SEC opponent for a South Carolina running back since Marcus Lattimore had 212 versus Florida in 2010 to claim the Gamecocks' only SEC East title. Little tidbit there, but anyways. Deshaun Fenwick also ran pretty well as he has been all season he had nine carries for 82 yards um, on the season he has 49 carries for 290 yards which is about six yards per carry you know so for for a guy behind Kevin Harris that's that's pretty good compliment to him Colin Hill played another really just okay game honestly and all he had to do was hand the ball off really he was 17 for 28, which is 60.7% for 230 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception. The interception was just a bad decision by him and um, a poorly thrown ball. It was an RPO, and he pulled it and tried to throw one down the sideline, Jalen Brooks, in double coverage. All misses in some sort of like one-high defense, and the safety shaded over to Jalen Brooks aside and, and, and pick the ball off. But anyways, you know, the offensive line played well, um, obviously Kevin Harris having the 243 yards, but then again, almost the defense is dead last in the SEC. So it is what it is. Uh, the defense for South Ghana was surprisingly bad. I mean, they've, they've been pretty bad recently, but they were, you know, and I guess they just continued that Ole Miss put up, 708 total yards with 31 first downs which is just ridiculous Matt Corraler quarterback went crazy and shredded South Carolina's defense all night he went 28 for 32 for 513 yards with four touchdowns so he had as many touchdowns as he had incompletions which Mm. is not good for a defense and then you know Red off shots, missed stats. If you think he had a good game, Elijah Moore for Ole Miss almost doubled his his output in terms of yards and touchdowns. He had 13 receptions for 225 yards and two touchdowns to shots, 10 receptions, 117 and one touchdown. So Elijah Moore went off. I mean, statistically, he's the best receiver in the SEC right now. And he had another big game. You know, they used him in a lot of different ways. They used him in the run game, they used them in the slide, they used them outside. So he's just a guy that does, does a lot of different things for him, and he's, he's really hard to cover. The running game was decent. They ran for 195, averaging 4.1, um, but they really did most of their damage to the air. Uh, the secondary is just, just horrible. You know, the safeties are depleted back there. We just look confused. Uh, the defensive line can't get a push to the quarterback really at all. And we're just extremely thin. Every As the season's gone on, we've gotten thinner and thinner due to injuries and stuff like that. And as I'll overview later in the podcast, uh, you know, with the firing of Mus-Champ players opting out and stuff like that, the, the roster's just getting thinner and thinner. But, I mean, overlooking, Gamecock scored 42 points. They still got beat by 17. But it finally marks the end of Will Muschamp's era at South Carolina, which, you know, is a positive for the program going forward. Just something about, about Muschamp, I guess. I think he's a good dude, and he's been a really good recruiter. And I think, you know, he's run a clean program, but he just can't, he can't win. You know, I heard a guy say, or I, I read it, he said, I think Will Muschamp runs a great football program from Sunday to Friday, but you get paid to win on Saturdays. So, you know, no ill will to him, but I'm glad he's not the head coach anymore because it just wasn't working out. But that's pretty, much, that's pretty much all I got for that. So,
1: I, I feel like the, the score just got away at the end. I mean, it, it was a much closer game. Like you described it as yeah. a, a, a whipping earlier. I, I really didn't get that. I, I felt like y'all were going to come out in the end with it. I think the difference was Ole Miss's offense being so explosive they gave up so many big plays yeah and that's like a that's that's a backbreaker when it, your offense finally producing and then your defense is just turn around giving up these big plays I mean granted that's Lane Kiffin style yeah. um but I, I I don't know and on the the must champ thing I, like you said no matter how good of a guy you are or how much your players love you in the end it's a business and if if you're not Producing on Saturdays you just ain't gonna last so yeah I don't know tough to see uh, y'all y'all are a much better program than that in my opinion so I, I hope y'all get that figured out yeah
0: hopefully we do but I guess we can since that's the only recap you know I guess we can uh we can go ahead and go into the questions
2: <laughs> well my and question uh, I'm just gonna ask it my, my question is about recruiting with guys that have already committed four must for example, um, Gunnar Stockton. You think he's going to end up staying and coming to y'all, or you think he's going to go somewhere else?
0: Well, that depends on a lot of things. Um, I think the Shaw yeah, family Bobo. has
3: the, the Shaw family has so much to do with that. I I don't know. Yeah, either Bobo or Shaw have to be there, and I think they both will be next year.
1: Yeah, I see. I don't know. I don't know what a a coach would do. Um, if you get an offensive minded coach in there, Bobo's not going to be there. I mean. I yeah, but Connor see.
3: Shaw could be. You, you Connor need Shaw
1: definitely. I think you'd be dumb not to keep Connor Shaw, regardless. I think he's one of those young, you know, bright talents that you gotta. You have him there, and you know he wants to be at Carolina. Don't pass that situation up. And I mean, if he if he turns out to not be what you want him to be, it it's a a, a small assistant role. It's not gonna. It's not like a, where you're in a must champ situation where that's your head coach and he's shown he can't win
0: yeah well I mean Connor Shaw Shaw just got uh, you know bumped up to on-field quarterbacks coach I don't know if y'all saw that or not yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah I I would be surprised if the new coach didn't have Connor Shaw on his staff in in some role even if he goes back to his player development role which is off-field you know I don't know how he's going to be as a quarterback coach Um, time will tell I guess but I think it's definitely a good thing for recruiting and a good thing for um, kind of the the culture of the program, I guess, to to have him. So.
1: Well, since we're talking about it now, I guess we can just go ahead and cover this topic. Like, I, I have a question. Like, guys like a Makia Scott. Why did he opt out? I mean, he was a freshman, right? Yeah. I mean, he'll, was, pro- he'll probably transfer. Is he any good? Because I mean, like he was. We recruited him pretty hard. His best friend and teammate was Jordan Williams, our starting right tackle now from Gainesville. Yeah, so. I mean
0: he's he's a he's a big old boy. I think he's up over three hundred pounds. Um, he got a little bit of playing time, I think, but I mean he he wasn't sig- yeah. he wasn't a significant part of the defense. I'm, but it's still, I mean he's probably going to transfer off this. So um.
1: I'm I'm wondering how different because like obviously we were just in this situation not too long ago that we're only two years into a new coach, but how different the situation is like Paul stepped down or announced he was stepping down right before our bowl game so there was an opportunity of midseason guys opting out guys transferring midseason but then like when he left a bunch of these guys stuck around to say you know i'm gonna see where i fall with this new this new coach and most guys are close to their degree so they're just going to ride it out i'm interested to see how at a school like south carolina where you can flip a roster pretty fast. People want to play in the SEC. You can. And there's get, talent
3: there. Yeah, they're, they're, you're, they're not all they're going to leave.
1: That's what. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I said the other day. Y'all are. Y'all are ready to win at least seven games a year. Six, seven games a year. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I think. May Florida, Georgia. Uh, those games, are. I mean, y'all still play them. You beat them last year. You beat Georgia, but it's not like this year Florida's game got away too. But it's not like those teams are just absolutely boat racing y'all. So it's not it's not real unrealistic for to to have talent and then flip that talent and 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 you know get more guys in there. So I'm interested to see how much roster um, overhaul y'all are, like, how many guys are leaving and stuff, just because yeah. it's like midseason. Yeah, that's going to
0: depend. It's looking like it's more on the defensive side. Guys that were probably a little bit closer to must champ that are, you know, opting out and and all that stuff.
2: But yeah, we'll I, would, have to I see. would hate that shit if I was on the team, man. Yeah, we'll have I, to see.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, at some point, you're like, you're quitting on us. But then a guy like J.C. Horn, and don't say this disrespect, but what would he be playing for? You know, like, he just lost his coach that recruited him. That was his guy. And like I said earlier, players, they don't see what fans see. You know, like, we see, we want results. We don't know him as a person. They're like, oh, you know, this was wrong or this was wrong. But it's not like he's a bad coach that he got fired. So, for J.C., he's like, I so well, it's just I don't know. All
0: these it's, it's the whole culture that was built at South Carolina under Muschamp, I guess. The guys just like I don't know, the players think that, you know, 6 7 wins is kind of the the ceiling of the program and and like why why are fans expecting so much? Like South Carolina's never been that good. And you know, you see JC and Izzy and all those guys like posting videos of themselves even when we get like destroyed by Florida they're up there posting pictures of, or videos of them getting interceptions and whatnot so it's just like they play for themselves they don't really play for like the team or like you know stuff like that so I mean
2: it
1: it's, really showing, is. it's
2: showing now yeah yeah,
1: yeah I, in a situation like this this is when it's going to show so I guess you're right I mean th- th- they play for their coach I think I think that like Muschamp's their guy yeah but now that he's out and just like, get, yeah, it's giving them an excuse to they don't have that do loyalty it. towards the program necessarily, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, I don't know, it's easy for us to sit here and say it, you're not a kid, we're not a kid in that situation, but
2: I feel like, I feel like though, the reason I say it is because I feel like scouts also look at that and they're like, well, this dude gave yeah. up on, or not really giving up, but he's like, I mean. He, just he opted out. Him. He basically yeah. quit
3: at this point. Yeah, he
2: didn't want to be there anymore. What is he going to be like when we draft him? Like, if yeah. we have, if we go, like, 5-11, is he going to want to trade? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like it doesn't yeah. look great. No, I, my people. personal opinion is I agree with that, too. Well, you, it's do, not... you do look like
1: you're – I don't want to say quitting because, I mean – but I guess that's essentially what it is. That's what it comes across as to the typical fan. So – People get so upset about it and they're like, you're not in this situation. But but if you're just a typical fan and you're like, die hard, this is my program. Okay, well, you just quit on the program. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but, sure I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not it's that, like, you know, Divinity said if an NFL team goes 5-11 and or whatever, does he request a trade? And it's not like he doesn't like losing because, you know, we've lost the whole time he's been in South Carolina. But he just didn't like – that the fans are kind of the reason Will Muschamp got that he doesn't think Will Muschamp should have got fired. Like they're all yeah. that's that's their guy. Like they, they just Yeah. I don't know. So it's just you know his coach got fired so he just did I guess he just didn't have really loyalty to the university
1: just a to that to that coach. So Yeah. I yeah. yeah. Like I said, I was just comparing the situation like I mean our guys were a little apprehensive when a new coach came in but it's not like theirs got fired you know his their their coach essentially not quit on him but you know they quit on them and they were done so I don't know i just just seeing the differences is kind of interesting but I think like especially with this the way rules are going with this one-time transfer stuff that's implemented like it's an interesting time for this to happen with y'all and I think y'all can really capitalize on it if y'all make the right yeah
0: yeah it'll be interesting but Anyways, yeah, Will Muschamp became the head coach in 2016. He was 28 and 30 overall, uh, 3 and 18 versus ranked opponents, uh, 1 and 10 versus top 10 opponents, 1 and 2 in bowl games, 0 and 4 versus Clemson, 1 and 3 versus Georgia, and his highest ranking AP ranking uh, that he achieved at Carolina was 24th in 2018. So, you know, not not a great tenure. A lot of losses. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's over. But I guess we can get into, you know, the next question, which is who is the next coach of South Carolina? And there's been a lot of names floating around a little bit, but I've, I've dug up a little bit on some of the coaches, and, and I'll give you a little overview of some of these guys. So one of the names is Hugh Freeze. He's been at Arkansas State, Ole Miss. He's currently at Liberty. Uh, he, he's overall, as a head coach, he's overall 85 and 37, which some of those wins are taken because of the whole Ole Miss stuff. But on the field, he's 85 and 37. Um, he's a great offensive mind and he's won everywhere that he's coached, uh, even back at Lamb, Lambeth or whatever that is, his first head coaching career or his first head coaching job. He was 20 and 5. So he's won everywhere. But, you know, there is baggage that comes with them with the whole Ole Miss scandal thing. And the only thing with South Ghana for that is, is their president is a former three-star
1: general in the Army, and he doesn't,
0: he doesn't really like the, the whole Hugh Freeze thing.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, I feel like with Hugh Freeze, it's not a question of his coaching. You could get him in there and he can win, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. But I, are you willing to take on his baggage? Yep. Yeah. And... Yep. Another one that's been floating around is Shane
0: Beamer. He's a current assistant head coach at Oklahoma, and he's son, obviously the son of the coaching legend Frank Beamer. Uh, he was actually born in Charleston, South Carolina, and he worked under Steve Spurrier from 2007 to 2010. Uh, and he worked as recruiting director from 09 to '10, and brought in guys like Stephon Gilmore, DJ Swearinger, Marcus Lattimore, Connor Shaw, A. Sanders, Javon Clowney, and lots more, and he pretty much built – the, the best teams in South or helped build the best teams in South Carolina. He's coached and had success coaching positions on both sides of the ball. He coached linebackers and corners at South Carolina and, and did a pretty good job. And then after Carolina, he went and coached running backs at Virginia Tech. And and now he's tight ends at Oklahoma, and he was tight ends at Georgia uh, back in the day. So he's he's had experience on all sides of the ball, but he's never been a head coach. So... You know, the question with him is, is he ready to, to become a head coach and, and run a program?
3: Has he ever been a coordinator?
1: I mean, he's co-OC. Okay. I guess. I didn't pass, know he was is, just... he pass, is he technically like the past game offensive coordinator for Oklahoma, or is he – Well,
0: his, his actual title is um, assistant head coach for offense. Hmm.
3: So I'll, – I'll... That is what it is. I don't know exactly what that means, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. That,
2: they, just, they just want that guy in there and they just give him a title.
1: I mean, sometimes yeah. that's how you get guys there. Like Brent Key, he's the assistant coach, offensive line coach. But he's the head offensive line coach, but it's a, he's the assistant coach. I don't even, I don't know how you read a title and go, okay, yeah, that's a guy's job. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But.
0: but that's an interesting one for sure. Uh, another one jamie chadwell he's the head coach right now at coastal carolina who is 7-0 right now on the season he's 75-51 and overall as a head coach but he has never coached in the power five um he's coached places like north greenville uh charleston southern and then now coastal carolina so he has you know coaching those schools he has ties to the state um, you know, I guess he's proven at Coast Carolina and he, and he had a lot of success at Charleston Southern. So he proved that his formula kind of works on the field. But I, I guess questions are, can he recruit at an SEC level? And is he, is he ready to, you know, take the reins of an SEC program? Uh, that's another interesting one. And then Tom Allen, uh, the Indiana head coach, another guy that's, that's been kind of floating around out there. He's actually been coaching since 1992, but Indiana is his actual uh, first college head coaching job. But he's actually he's got that program trending upwards. Uh, his first two years, they're five and seven, and then eight and five, and then now they're four and no, oh this year. Uh, but he is a defensive guy, and Bob Kazan kind of came out and said that we're looking for more of an offensive guy uh, because of the way college football is moving. And Tom Allen's, he's in. Indiana native, he has lots of ties to that state, so it, it'll be interesting to see if he would leave for a program like South Carolina.
1: Yeah, I mean his his son's on the team, so that's yeah. kind of a thing. Like, but I just feel like I mean Michael Penix is really good, but they he they are a well coached team, so that's why I kind of threw that one on there. Just because if you can get him there, I think he'd be worth a shot. Yeah, and then Josh Hupel is another name.
0: UCF head coach right now. Overall record is 27-6 and six at UCF right now. Um, he spent time at Oklahoma and Missouri coaching on the offensive side of the ball and he coached guys like Sam Bradford at Oklahoma and Drew Locke at Missouri. A question with him is that, I mean, he inherited a loaded team at UCF when he became the head coach. Uh, they were undefeated the season before under Scott Frost. So, you know, can he really build a program is, is I guess, the question for him. Billy Napier is is one of the – is a guy that's on top of a lot of lists that are going around right now. Current head coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. His overall record is 25-11. and Uh, He's in his third year at Louisiana right now. He played and graduated from Furman, which is in South Carolina. He coached at Clemson from 2006-2010. So he has ties – he has a lot of ties to the state of South Carolina – he also spent time at Alabama and Arizona State before going to Louisiana. He's, you know, he kind of fits the mold of what I think South Carolina is looking for, a young offensive-minded guy. But, you know, coming from that level, jumping up to SEC, you know, can you recruit and can you win games at this level? And then one that is really unlikely, but I like throwing out there, is Joe Brady, offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. His uh, passing game coordinator for LSU last year. But a lot of people are saying he wants to stay in the – NFL, and he's on record saying that he doesn't like the recruiting side of college football. So I don't see that happening. And then just just a few other names that have floated around a little bit. Steve Sarkeesian, Bob Stoops, uh, Will Healy, which is young up and coming guy uh, coaching Charlotte right now. And then Scott Satterfield. So what do y'all got? I thought,
1: a, I thought an interesting name that was thrown out there was Halfley at Boston College. Um, I read a couple of things on him. I think he's a really good coach. I don't know if people want to go. For, I mean, I would think you'd want to go from a Boston College to a South Carolina, but uh, I feel like they're a really good coach team, so that'd be interesting. That'd be an interesting one to go after. Yeah.
2: Also, think, uh, a lot of people talk about uh, Billy Napier on uh, on our boards. A lot of people think that it's going to be him.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I he, think he's, Billy he's Napier. Got trending right now. I feel like he makes a lot of sense. South Carolina ties. Yeah. I think Jamie Chadwell, same same sort of deal. I feel like you with either one of those, they're kind of one in the same, both young offensive guys that have ties to state, had success as a head coach at a lower level. I mean, I think if it's me though, I'm and it's probably not gonna happen because of just the administration and, and baggage with Hugh Freeze, but he's he's shown that on the field he can get it done in the SEC. I,
1: I like, think, like, when it comes to coaching, clear cut, I think he'd be your number one choice.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, the, he's, and the he's, issue is, is can you swallow – this is – he frees, like, prostitutes on recruiting trips. like.
1: But that, what's dude. what's so funny about that is he's at Liberty. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first school to take that chance on him ends up being Liberty, like, openly very Christian school. Yeah. yeah. So, well, they're going crazy, off. though. Yeah.
0: So
3: their team is so good. People, so,
0: people say that he's, you know, he hasn't – he's been doing everything the right way since he's been a Liberty, but, you know, I guess
1: you never really know until he gets called.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true.
3: So,
1: you said there's an offensive – they're wanting an offensive-minded coach. I yeah. know it probably never happened for Carolina to hire a Clemson guy, but, like, would you ever consider a Tony Elliott giving him a shot?
0: Uh. I mean, me, oh, no. I, 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 wouldn't want it, and I, I don't see the university going that way. Yeah. No. Especially with yeah. how the list kind of already forming out right now, and it could, I mean, it very well could be none of these guys, but these are just the names that are trending, uh, right now. So. Yeah.
1: I just feel like well, one of these. one of those guys that's gonna get a somebody's gonna try to get hire him soon.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Luke Fickle's another guy. His name's been floating around a lot for job vacancies. Um, but I think for him, I think if the Michigan job opens up, he, he takes that one, honestly. Yeah, they say Ohio
1: State's number one on his list. Like, yeah, the day Ryan – Well, I mean, Ryan... he coached at Ohio State, yeah.
0: like, his whole
1: yeah. – And whole his family life. is so, like – he's got, like, six kids or something, and they live up there. And I think they're extremely Catholic and stuff. So, it's yeah. been said. he wouldn't, He wouldn't go really – but I mean you never know. You throw money at a guy that he ain't seen before.
0: I mean, if it know. makes
3: sense. Yeah. If it makes sense, I mean, Michigan has a whole lot more resources than Cincinnati ever would. And Ohio State had him as the interim after Trestle. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of ended up getting the boot when when Urban came back in. So I mean, you gotta think now he could be like, Oh well, y'all let me go, so screw you, I'm going to Michigan. Yeah, was well, yeah. crazy up there. I,
2: I mean, haven't and thought and about it's the this. same thing
3: with it's the same thing with Napier. They say that's another reason why he'd want to go to Carolina because had sort of a rough last year in Clemson was fired by Davo, so there's that that talk, there's right. animosity there. Yeah, so it's like you go back to your old to your rival the team you used to coach for and stick it to him. And I mean it, it is what it is. But yeah, and well, I mean
0: I don't I don't know how how true this even is, but. They've been, or some people have been saying that Napier's kind of had his eye on the South Carolina job for a couple years now, or at least for the past two years after, after last season. Um, so, but again,
3: it, it makes so much sense for him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I it's gonna be interesting in to context, see how this I mean, it, how this it goes because the,
0: the thing with Napier as well is a lot of people are saying that he would he might retain Bobo and that he would probably retain – I mean, most most of these guys would probably retain Connor Shaw in, in some capacity. Like I said, they would be dumb not to. But yeah, if they retain Bobo and Shaw, you know, I think Bobo's done a good job as offensive coordinator this year. We just don't have have players or people that can catch the ball, you know. I mean, what would this offense be with the 2018 offense or offensive players, you know. You got Debo, Brian, you still have Shy. you have Jake Bentley back there. Um, so – it's just it's it'll be interesting to see if he stayed and, and
1: what what they could do there. Um, yeah. The timing of this is going to be interesting because you got to figure Harba, uh, Harbaugh is on his way out at some point. Yeah. And so there's there's two programs looking for a coach and I was going to get y'all's opinion on this. I don't know if y'all been reading about what's going on at LSU with Orgeron right now with the whole rape scandal yeah. and guys yeah. and that's that's all coming back Wait, up. what, huh? Yeah. That they apparently they mishandled. The Darius Geis rape allegations, like, big time. Like, like, sweep it under the rug, pretty much. Yeah, like, they never pursued it, never called police. The girl went to administration. Like, I'm talking the school, too. Like like I'm the just,
2: Michigan, like the one, the Michigan State basketball players. that. Uh, yeah, like, that see, I, I, it's like Baylor, I,
1: really. That's the most. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, Baylor, Baylor. And, and they, they're saying there's more to come. Like, and it's just all coming out slowly. So, I, I feel like LSU could get in a position to where maybe they don't can him right now. But if he has another shit year next year, that's a way out of his contract. Be like, dog, you got to go. This shit happened, blah, blah. You yeah. don't have to pay him and about So, So that could be another big-time program looking for a coach. Well, so also
0: then, also Tennessee, you know. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's kind of – his seat's getting pretty high. And there, a lot of people think if that if that seat opens, then uh, Hugh Freeze is the guy that, that steps in there. Yeah, Tennessee
3: would take Hugh Freeze in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I but think it I, would work. Yeah, he, I think all so too. he needs at Tennessee is a quarterback. That's yeah, all he, you need. He
2: needs he needs Garantano to graduate. Well, that's what I was just about to say. I mean Pruitt. I and mean, you got Harrison Bailey
3: on the roster already, yep. you got yep. Brian Maurer who's coming and played a little bit, and you that's also what have. I was just about to say Simpson Pruitt. You have to give Pruitt another.
1: You have to give Pruitt another yeah, year he because he's really he's only had Garantano. I mean, how how long has he been there though? This would be his fourth year or third year. Third.
2: This would be his third year. Third. Like that. Yeah. Okay.
3: Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I thought he's been there about the same amount of time as most champ.
2: No, I want to double check that. It might be. I thought. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was three.
1: I thought it was three two. Hold on, I'm looking it. I up. could be wrong. Right now,
2: but that would. Yeah, that would be a crazy hire. Yeah, he's been the Tennessee
1: head coach since 2018. Eight, 2018 yep. to present. So yeah, this is his third year. That's well, it. If his, hot, if his seat's getting hot, which, I mean, it's Tennessee, so, you know, they're not going to sit around and give somebody just a long-ass leash. But, shit, he's only had Garantano. It's not like he's had – he wasn't there when Dobbs was there and all that. So, I mean – Yeah, but I'm just sure, I'm sure the fan base is, the is fed up over there, though, because they're always so hyped
0: up to begin oh, with. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, they started off and they beat South Carolina and it looked like, looked like they well, might have something going and, you know. Well,
1: I just think – I'm glad y'all – took the initiative and said screw the the whole COVID thing like we're not going to let this dictate another year of must champ because a lot of schools are going to sit around and be like "We well, you know we yeah, can't, we can't it. afford it yeah. yeah which I know the school from what I read was y'all are not on the hook it was all donors that paid the buyout yeah. so yeah. that's that's nice because now you got money to go hire your staff yep yeah.
0: but anyways so they if, say. if we want to move on to the next question Sam if you want to take it away
3: all right. Um, so I saw this one uh, posted somewhere online and for anybody that watches game day, we know, we know Lee Corsos. He's, he's slipping a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of reminds me of uh, Lou Holtz when he and Mark May used to be on ESPN together all the time. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. It just got brutal to watch. Every,
2: every episode just kept going. doing the yeah. Downhill.
3: yeah. So the, the downhill is there. So, they're talking about if you're if you're ESPN and you decide to take Lee Corso off uh, off a of college game day and you replace him, who do you replace him with?
2: That's a so, good question. Yeah, I'm I don't saying, even
0: I don't just, even have anything coming to mind.
2: To be dude, honest honestly, with. honestly, Tebow. Tebow.
3: Okay. My my thought is Spurrier. 'Cause Spurrier would Spurrier be sick. is he's witty. He's funny. Like he would get on there and roast people. I think it would be funny. Yeah. yeah. That'll be sick.
1: Spurrier would be would be good.
3: Cause Spurrier's still lucid. Like he can still talk football with you. Yeah. That'll they're be gonna,
2: they're gonna throw a bag at somebody that's already been talking about college football for the past couple of years, like an analyst, like Tebow, you know that guy that played at um it was a linebacker at Texas. He has his own show with um Someone else. He's been on ESPN. I know you're a talking about I know you're talking about. I don't know his name. I I forgot know. His name. Yeah, yeah Acho. Yeah. I feel like they're gonna bring in a guy like that that's young and
3: you his, don't think and, they fill it with another like coach. You don't I mean, think don't, they get like a Urban Meyer or something? I mean, like I'm that? sure
2: I'm sure they want to, but I don't see coaches wanting to do that. Well Urban Myers, he's going
1: crazy with the Big Ten network. Like when they do or whatever it is when they do their pre-games he's like every time I every week there's a video of him talking saying something like super inspirational or super like I don't know I, I feel like he'd be good at that but I don't know if they, that, might, that, throw,
2: uh, they might throw McAfee in there hey yeah, you never know
1: I, I, I like listening to McAfee I don't know if he'd be a guy he's,
3: for yeah, game he's, day he's but funny. I vote Steve well. Sperger I, I actually anyone, do like
0: this. If anyone listening I think Spurrier would do be anything a good about one. it, put Steve Spurrier on there.
1: I, I kind of like the, the older guy that's witty and, you know, has that sense of humor, but he also knows just a stupid amount of football. So Yeah, I
3: mean, I, I think he'd be – I don't know. I think it would be a good fit, like you said, just sort of the, the head coach, that sort of ball coach thing to have Lee Corso with. So, I mean, I think it would – I think it would work with Spurrier. I think it would be pretty fun. Yeah. So, staying on South Carolina head coaches, um, what former South Carolina head coach uh, had a six-year career? Uh, he had 33 wins, 37 losses, seven and 20 against ranked teams, one and 10 against top 10 teams, but he did win back-to-back Outback Bowls versus ranked Ohio State teams. So, Jacob, I'm sure you probably already know who this is. Um, yeah. So, Sid any – either of y'all got anything on this one?
2: Be yeah, honest with you, I don't even know who the South Carolina head coach was before Spurrier. So it was about that well, when Spurrier got there. That was about the time when we all started, you know, like actually actually yeah. knew what was I mean, going on. So yeah, uh, yeah, pretty yeah. much.
3: Spurrier is the first one I remember. But Jacob, you got a you got a guess on this.
0: Well, I, I didn't know if Sid wanted to, to take a shot at it.
1: I'm gonna be honest, I got no idea. Well, fair enough. It was the guy before Spurrier, it was Lou Holtz. I was, dude, I literally just looked up Lou Holtz because I was about to say Lou Holtz, but I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, he actually, could always edited it out. He
0: really, he really wasn't, wasn't a bad head coach, to be honest with you. Um, 33 and 37 is pretty bad, but he also.
3: <laughs> 11
0: in his first year, though. Yeah, he won 11 in his first year after inheriting a 1-in-10 team. So, yeah, it is what it is. All right, well, I guess we can move on to the next trivia question. I made this one for you guys. So, guess these running backs. First guy has 124 carries for 714 yards, which is a 5.8 average and 14 touchdowns. The second guy has 121 carries, 634 yards, which is a 5.2 average, and 10 touchdowns. The next guy has 131 carries, 817 yards, which is a 6.2 average, and 13 touchdowns. And then the last guy has 120 carries, 868 yards, which is a 7.2 average, and 15 touchdowns. Two of these are SEC guys, and two of these are ACC guys.
3: I know who has 634 yards. I know that's Travis. So, yes, you are correct.
0: And Travis adds 37 receptions for 491 yards on top of that.
1: So, I'm going to go with one of the yeah, so 868 yards being a UNC running back, probably Michael Carter or.
3: That's J- Javante. Is it Javante?
1: Javante yeah. has more than Michael Carter? Yeah. Javante.
0: He's,
3: he's going crazy. The last, like, four games, he's going crazy. Yeah, Dude, because Michael Carter's a beast. 868 yards. Seven They're, points Michael Carter has 800 yards, I think, too. I guess I could look that up. They're both going stupid.
1: Yep, so we got so, the two ACC guys now. Bro, Michael Carter has 807.
3: Yep. Damn. yep Javante Williams has like 1115 yards of scrim from scrimmage and 18 touchdowns yeah he's averaging 8.07 yards a touch last year and the, like the whole last year he had about about 45 more touches um six fewer yards and only six touchdowns the whole last year yep he's going, going crazy, crazy.
0: Oh. We just we have the two SEC guys left.
1: Well, I think you would have thrown us a bone since you're a South Carolina guy. And Kevin Harris goes crazy, so I'm gonna go with eight seventeen. Yep. Yeah. Hundred
2: thirty-one carries,
3: eight hundred seventeen yards,
0: six point two yeah. average, thirteen touchdowns. It's Kevin Harris.
3: He's a beast, dude. And
0: then the last got guy
3: hundred yards and a touchdown receiving
1: too. I there's no way it's a Georgia running back because they split carry so much. They just have, I mean Nah, Zamir's got like 500. Yeah. So I, by default, I don't know. Shit, Najee went stupid against some of, some of these games. Najee's got like, um, actually, dude, I feel like it might be Najee because he went crazy in the Ole Miss game. I think it. I think yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, I think touchdowns. it is Najee. It is Najee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Ole Miss game. Both Najee Harris and Kevin Harris both ran for over 200 yards and five touchdowns against Ole Miss. They
1: got toasted by them Harris boys. Damn. <laughs> Yikes. <Damn>. Hell <laughs> Ole Miss, like, uh, if there's a running back show up with the last name Harris, hell no.
3: <laughs> Put him down for 200. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. God, um, that's bad. That's really bad. That's really bad. But um, speaking of Ole Miss, can geez. we
1: just – can we just acknowledge – the uh, the Lane Kiffin clipboard toss, Jacob might not felt as as cool no, as I did. We're not. But going dude, to. that shit, he spun that bitch, and then at the end of the game, he, did he it threw twice, it in bro. the stands, and they had a GA go. Can you imagine being that GA behind that? Yeah, I had to go get Lane's play sheet. I would was be snapping it. pictures of that play sheet, son. It was up in Redneck Bobby's hands up there. He was didn't know what he was doing. Bro, but.
3: I'd, I'd take it and be. We'd be using it in flag.
1: Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah.
3: Because you know, it's is.
1: explosive plays in that bitch.
0: The only mention of oh, the old, South Carolina Ole Miss game from, from here on forward is is the end of the Will Muschamp champ era. We don't talk about the actual game. Okay. So except I Kevin.
2: Had, Harris, Will. I just had to I mean it was better than the last game before that. Definitely, so.
3: definitely. Much better. Still. Much better. There was a lot but of Texas... improvement and that was his job is to improve the team. He did. And then I can't.
1: <laughs> Texas AM is a damn good team in my opinion. Yeah, they're, oh, good. they're well, I think they very good. Is, is not as good. <laughs> so. they, 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 their defense is <laughs> poor, so
3: yeah, yeah, very poor, to say the least.
0: But anyways, we can go ahead and to, and hop into the game previews for this week. Uh, we'll start off with Clemson at Florida State. So take it away, Sam.
3: Oh well, I'm uh I'm happy to have football this weekend. I hope to have football this weekend. Um. Just on the injury front, we we uh, like a Gray's Anatomy episode. Everybody's down right now. But uh, Mike Jones should, should come back at linebacker. Um, Andrew Booth, uh, Landon Zanders, Brian Rousey, Justin Maskell, all those guys got hurt uh, in the Notre Dame game, as well as Frank and They all got hurt in the game. Uh, sounds like none of that's major, all minor stuff. They should be back for uh, Florida State. Tyler Davis, they haven't said for sure. Um, but looking like he should play on Saturday. Um, But like I said, Ladson was hurt against Notre Dame. He and Skowski, probably going to be another week for them. They're not trying to rush back Skowski after surgery on the groin. But um, So one of the big things I talked about last week was just, you know, in the bye week, do we switch up the offensive line? Like how do we get the five best players, regardless of position on the line? I mean, I get that guard and tackle are different, but I want the five best blocking players offensive lineman I can have on the field at once, regardless of who plays what position. So, no word on whether that's going to happen. Doesn't look like it. Um, Tony Elliott did say that he just wants more rotation from younger guys. Uh, the three he mentioned are Walker Parks, a guy I talked about last week who's a freshman, really, really good player. Uh, Paul Tio, another freshman. He's a guard, just physical. Um, doesn't really know where he's going, but he's going 100 miles an hour. And then you have Mason Trotter, who I think is probably the lesser of these three, but smart player, another redshirt freshman. So it's too really too soon to tell kind of what he is yet. But our starters are playing a ton. Like through the last um, – through the first eight games, they've eclipsed what our starters last year did to the first eight games after like game four or five. I mean, they're, we're playing exponentially more snaps because we only have five guys playing consistently. So basically it's almost – the coaches almost feel like our, our offensive line is just worn out. Like the last couple of games, we just – we run out of gas because we have the same five guys, which, I mean, I feel like there's really no excuse for that. But, um, obviously, Trevor's back. That's big. It'll be interesting to see how sharp he looks. Just hasn't been around football for a while. The bye week should help uh, get him back adjusted, though. I think the biggest thing with Trevor is, like, DJ played so well statistically, especially – um, that I don't know what Trevor can come back and do passing the ball statistically to do what DJ did. Like, to do any better would be impossible for Trevor. to. I mean, really the big thing is just having him back is going to be more a factor at the line of scrimmage. Um, I thought a lot of our woes in the run game could have been alleviated just because he he knows the offense well enough to adjust at the line of scrimmage, get you out of bad plays, get you into right, right run plays. I mean, a lot of it's just about knowing – knowing the scheme and DJ certainly doesn't have that sort of mastery of it yet. So it'll be interesting to see with Trevor being back, if him, him also being a running threat, like with DJ, we really couldn't run him because of the shoulder. So with Trevor being back, maybe that opens up the box a little bit more for Travis, but it'll be interesting to see how that happens um, or if it happens.
0: One thing, one thing on that, uh, you know, I said that if Clemson has Trevor versus Notre Dame, it's, it's not close. Probably um and that's you know what you what you really said right there is, is DJ is a really good quarterback has a great arm all that stuff but he doesn't have the effect on the game like Trevor does I mean Trevor knows offense in and out like you said makes checks of the line puts people in good positions so that's I mean statistically you're right DJ went crazy but you know I think yeah. Trevor just is just so much better for the team
3: it's so more much between the for ears anybody, like you know yeah, it's more between the ears like quarterback stuff. It's not about being athletic enough to make the throw. It's about right, seeing right, it. Right. He's that's that's where he's so so much better than Deshaun was even. And Deshaun was good. Deshaun just was risky with the football.
0: Nah, he was. All he right.
3: threw some picks, but he also had so many huge plays. He was but but Trevor is just very precise. So it's it is what it is and I think I think having him back helps. A lot, because I think that's a lot of how, how how you get yourself to play winning football yeah. so don't beat yourself pre snap. Yep. Um, but you know, with the running game, I feel like we have to get a little bit more creative. If we're not if we're not in a position to really change up the offensive line or make a difference um, up front, then we're going to have to get a little bit more creative. I feel like in the run game, we just haven't been we've been limited because DJ can't run, so there's no. No real quarterback power. There's not a lot of read option. It's a lot of just straight handoffs to Travis. And it's just not working. So I don't know what you do. I don't know if, you know, you you, you try more throwback screens or you, you're trying, um, you know, sweeps to Amari. Just anything to switch up the run game. Just give them something else to look at pre-snap. Um, we haven't been motioning nearly as much as we have the past two years. Not really sure what – what the explanation for that is, or maybe it's just coincidental, Um, but we're not, we're not doing a lot, you know, pre-snap in terms of motioning and having the defense maybe tip their hand. So just doing little things like that, that can open up the run game. We're going to have to continue to do that. Florida State's defense is very porous. They have some good athletes. They have a couple good players, but Marvin Wilson in the middle was a absolute stump. Like he's a super good player. Uh, He's hurt. Won't come back this year. So, you know without him in there they have a couple of athletic guys but i'm not not so much concerned about it i think i think our offensive line really has to have a have a coming out party in this game just got to got to correct some stuff got to be more physical and the biggest thing offensively just to wrap it up is cornell powell like i mean he was playing good with trevor but when dj came in cornell just exploded 10 catches against um against boston college he had 161 yards against Notre Dame. I mean, really, just back to back 100 yards, like career game versus BC, and then the next game, career week against Notre Dame. So, but yeah. he mean, and Trevor DJ, haven't really been on that.
0: DJ kind I mean, of needed ahead. that. DJ kind of needed that safety blanket right there. You know, you, you thought yeah. it would be kind of Amari Rogers, but Powell really stepped up and and helped the young quarterback out right
3: there. Yeah, and that's the thing because Amari Amari still had good games in both. So, but they know we're going to Amari. So, anything to, to uncover him or, you know, to move safeties, anything you can do to get more people to football you want to do. Um, but but he and DJ really had a connection. So, I hope that, that Trevor can keep that going. Because Cornell's looked like a beast just yards after catch. He's just it running through off. people, spinning up. Yes,
2: yeah,
3: the guys on that tunnel screen against Notre Dame, you know, Kyle Hamilton, Dalton on his back trying to rip the football and he just kind of spins off of him. I mean, just, I don't know. He's like a beast. So I hope, I hope he stays a part of the offense defensively. If we get Tyler Davis back in the middle, that is, that's huge. Cause I mean, he's really what makes the defense go. Um, And I think the biggest thing is that, you know, we, do we need him to be Florida state? No, but I think it's important that he gets back into shape because Pitt, um it's got a pretty good offense, so it would really be nice if we could push the pocket on Kenny Pickett next week. But I also think that, you know, he just makes Brian Brisee so much better because Brian Brisee, he's not a zero technique. He's not really meant to be lined up over center uh, trying to push the pocket that way. Um, he's not, that's not really his skill. He, he wants to be more of a disruptor from the three technique, lined up outside over a guard. Uh, so having an anchor in the middle like, like Tyler Davis just makes Brian Brisee so much more disruptive. Uh, so I think and the biggest thing, this is something that I think is interesting. So on the season, Tyler Davis has 59 snaps. Brian Bursey had 56 against Notre Dame and 57 against Boston College. So Tyler Davis, other than the Miami game, has not played many snaps at all. He got hurt against Wake Forest, um, sat out against Citadel and all the BS right there, then came back from Miami. So, you know, he really hasn't played at all this year. Um, and Brian Bercy is just playing a ton of snaps, and he's getting worn down. He's just been less effective. So the O-line is taken the brunt of the criticism for me for the last few weeks, just about being the down spot of the offense. But I think against Notre Dame, it was pretty apparent that our D-line has been, at least in that game, they were just as bad. I mean, we had absolutely no pass rush. <clears throat> and I think what's interesting about the fact that we had no pass rush is that it's not for lack of talent. I mean, you have guys starting, you know, K.J. Henry, 2018, five-star. He's a junior. He really needed a year or two to add some strength. Um, So, now he's the right size. The coaches say he's super athletic, but he's just not – he's just not that productive. I mean, to to be honest with you, I feel like he – you know, he gets some things that don't show up on a stat sheet, like setting the edge or, you know, hitting a run fit or something like that, which is good, but he's not – He's not that five-star type, you know, disruptor uh, on the edge. Uh, Xavier Thomas, same thing, five-star, 2018, another junior. Um, this is just, I mean, physically, all the tools are there for him to be, like, the sickest, strong side defensive end ever. Because he's, like, 270 pounds and he can really run. I mean, he's hes fast, he's strong, and he's huge. Like, what, what's not the like? So I don't really know what the issue there here is with, with Xavier time. I don't know if it's just not being focused or, or having COVID or, or whatever the case is, but just kind of disappointed in that. Um, only played 11 snaps against Notre Dame. Had to sit out the first half because he had that stupid targeting call on field Dracovic. where, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to do there. Just so stupid. Then Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy is a, a freshman, true freshman five-star uh, this dude, the first like three or four games of the season had three sacks. Since then, he hasn't really done anything. He had a he had a strip sack against Georgia Tech, uh, coming around the edge on, on Jeff Sims, but really since that play, so you have the Syracuse game, then Boston College and and Notre Dame, where he's just kind of been been in witness protection. Really, hadn't seen or heard from him. Um, and I think for him, it's another thing about just players in, in positions like that, offensive line, defensive line. You just have to, When you come out of high school, you're just not physically ready most of the time. So as good as he is, he's just not – he's not strong enough to really stand up against the amount of snaps he's playing. He played 60 against Notre Dame. So then you have two veteran guys, Niles Pickney, Redshirt senior. He's a four-star. Jordan Williams, he's a Redshirt junior, another four-star. Neither of these guys have been very reliable. Last year especially, they both got beat out by Tyler Davis, who was a true freshman at the time. Both of these guys had ample opportunities to be starters or at least, like, rotation guys. where Because that's when you're the best is when you have depth and you have, like, eight or nine guys, both lines, and you just roll in. That's what the really, really good teams do. So we just don't have any depth at at our defensive line because these veteran guys are just meh, you know? So it it sucks, but at the end of the day, like, you're a four-star player. Like, whether you didn't develop or, I mean – at that point, it's on Clemson. Like, you came here and had, had the physical tools, according to people who apparently know football. So can't really blame the kid. But overall, I mean, I haven't really broken down a whole lot of what Florida State does. Um, but they've got a, a bunch of guys that have basically quit this week, uh, opted out. Don't really know what you would uh, you would want to call it. But tomorrow Terry basically just quit. Uh, James Blackman said that he was transferring, so he's opting out. Uh, Marvin Wilson got hurt so he's saying that he's out for the year. Um, Chuba Purdy they announced today is out for the year so I mean really they only have one quarterback Jordan Travis who's coming back off an injury. Um, Their best player on offense Terry is done. Their best player on defense Marvin Wilson is done so I mean really this team now is Deshaun Corbin zero at running back is a pretty good player. I mean they've got Asante Samuel Jr. defensively another good player but you know these these guys are basically quit. I I have a feeling that they'll probably quit in this game. Um, that's just I, it feels inevitable, honestly. That they'll quit at some point, and and we'll we'll be able to to hang fifty. But and which is sad because as a league we need Florida State. Like we need them to be good. They're supposed to be good. Them in Miami, Miami's doing what they can. But Florida State is an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah, which is surprising because look at their last five recruiting classes, 2016, second overall, 2017, fifth overall, 2018, they were 10th, 2019, they were at number 17 overall, and this past year, 2020, they were still at 20. There's there's an obvious decline here. We get it every year they're dropping. I get it. But these are five straight top 20 recruiting classes. There are guys left over from that 2017 class. That was fifth. There are guys left 2018, your top 10. There's guys on this team from these classes, and they're this bad. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, that is crazy. So, you know, like I said, I, I think it's inevitable they'll they'll roll over and we we'll hopefully get fifty. So that's that's basically it.
0: Yeah, I see that as a very high possibility. But, anyways, we'll hop into the UGA versus Mississippi State overview. So, DaVinny, what you got?
2: Well, I think we're going to get to see uh, JT Daniels for the first time. Oh, he's making his debut? Of course, they haven't let's announced it yet, because Kirby never does that. But Right. You now, there's a lot of – What time up. is y'all's game? Seven. Oh, let's go. Yeah, it's at night. Seven or 7.30. I don't remember. Um,
3: there's going to be a bunch of good 7 o'clock games.
2: But yeah, there's uh there's chatter that he's potentially going to be the star. That Kirby's come out and said that Stetson's still nursing the AC joint injury. when older, so <laughs> I don't want to see anybody. I don't, don't want to see anybody else except JT anyway. I don't want to see Duwan go out there. I don't want to see Stetson go out there. I'd rather see Carson. Yeah, I was about to say. What about
0: Carson? One,
2: I mean, I I'd, I'd rather see anything at this point just to. Get something going. We need to see this this man that was a stud in high school out in California and started as a freshman at USC. You know he's got arm talent, so he needs to he needs to come out there and show what he's about. I want to see him. Injury wise, um, after getting banged up a lot last week or two weeks ago, we have a lot of guys coming back. George Piggins uh, will finally be playing Saturday. Uh, Jordan Davis the big zero technique he's still week to week some people saying that he probably won't play probably the rest of the year actually just depends on him I don't know why but you know it can change obviously but he's not going to be there uh, this Saturday LeCount said he's not opting out obviously Uh, y'all saw that (laughs) Lewis sign is uh, out of concussion protocol after laying the wood on Kyle Pitts. And he'll be there on Saturday as well. He laid the wood on himself, too. Yeah, he put himself. He read both of them in that night story. Yeah, he did. That man was
1: asleep on the field. (laughs) Kyle Pitts was looking at him. And that man was just slumped over, forehead on the turf, just Taking a nap. Sleepy time.
2: Yeah. Uh, Kenny's coming back. He's nursing a knee injury. Uh, Kendall Milton's still going to be out a couple weeks with MCL sprain. Um, So, you know, we're, you know, after our game got canceled against Missouri last weekend, we we had some more time for hopefully JT to get some more reps, you know, get his mind right. And, you know, for the other players to get healthy. But um, as far as Mississippi State goes, you know, they're two and four, they came out hot the first week. You know, we thought, you know, they were going to be something to mess with. But it turns out that uh, that's not the case right now. And LSU, a big loss, and they turned around and lost to Arkansas. They did only hold A&M to 28 points, though. Only lost by two touchdowns. But this is a group that's going to throw on every and any down they can. Uh, with Mike Leach their leading rusher only has 130 yards on the year which I thought was pretty crazy in six games so I'm expecting to see a lot of pass a lot of screens you know with KJ behind center I think he has six touchdowns and 10 interceptions in the year so he has a, he has an arm but he's not too smart throwing the ball sometimes um, and I actually didn't know until recently that Kirby was talking to him before Jamie decided to come to Georgia, like in the offseason last year, he exchanged texts with KJ. So I'm glad that didn't happen, but you know, who knows it could have been different in Georgia, but I just want it to be <laughs> a good ass beating really. I, will, I would love to see JT come out there and, and play pretty good you know, stick to what we do well, run the ball. Defense, kind of find themselves in the secondary because they're going to pass a lot, and hopefully we can, you know, get better. But – and someone made a good point I read uh, yesterday. It was a guy named uh, Trent Smallwood. You probably heard of him. I mean, he was saying the reason why, that you know, our secondaries are getting toasted against, like, Alabama and Florida was because – you know, in practice, we're not doing like they the corners and safeties aren't seeing schemes like that. And they're not we don't we're not throwing the ball like those teams do, which is I know it's not the whole reason, but you know, it is kind of interesting to think of it like that. You know, I mean, guys don't see I mean anymore.
1: really only Alabama and Florida's defenses are seeing passing offenses like that yeah, and, and exactly. dudes like that. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of people around there that have that on offense.
2: No. It's those are Two pretty good teams. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, there's not much else to say. And the main thing I want to see is JT uh, go out there. So, hopefully that happens. But we'll see. Oh, well. well, uh, yeah,
3: got to keep everybody healthy this week, too. I'll, I'll
2: preview by
1: week number three, three weeks in a row not losing. And uh, <laughs> that's all I got. I'll take it. Is that a yeah. win streak? Uh, since, since 2018, yeah, it's our longest win streak. Our longest non lost streak.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, is it, it is how week's number. I like it. By week ain't shit to us.
0: Yeah, but I guess I'll uh I'll go into the South Carolina versus Missouri game, which has really kind of been overshadowed by everything that's going on at South Carolina right now with Will Muschamp being fired and all. So, you know, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of just a lot of stuff going on around the program right now, you know, players opting out. You have former, former must champ players on Twitter talking about, like I said earlier, how, you know, Gamecock fans shouldn't want so much and all this. And then, uh, former players under Spurrier talking about they need to change the culture and like win more. So it's just, you know, a bunch is going on. Um, but, you know, the defense was, has been really, really bad this season, and it's, it's only getting worse. J.C. Horn, Izzy R.J. Roderick, and Makia Scott all opted out. So that's three starters in the secondary, and then, you know, kind of more of a depth guy on the, on the defensive line in Makia Scott. But still, we're getting pretty thin at places, especially in the secondary. It's going to be really interesting who uh, we put out there. Um, and then Aaron Sterling and Brad Johnson – both uh, edge guys are out for the rest of the season. Um, so, you know, we're looking really thin on defense. And, you know, if the defense hasn't surprised you with how bad they are yet, they, they probably will here soon. But Bobo, who is obviously now the interim head coach, uh, saying after their practice today that they did not look good enough to beat Missouri – so that's that's good to hear. Um, they're making position moves to, to try to hold up some of the deficiencies on defense. Moves Zaquandre White, which is the third-string running back, to safety. And then um, O-lineman Jordan Rhodes is moving to the D-line just for depth purposes. Uh, Zaquandre White is kind of interesting because he actually um, – he's a JUCO transfer, and he started out at Florida State, and he was a highly recruited running back, but they switched him to linebacker. So he, he actually has played a little bit on, on the defensive side of the ball, but he probably he probably won't play much depending on how the depth looks back there, but we'll see. So you know, there's just more and more question marks popping up on South Carolina's team. But I guess getting into the game, uh, Missouri's traveling to Columbia to Williams Bryce. They're sitting at three and two right now. They've had two games postponed, Vandy and Georgia. Um, and they sit at 6.5-point favorites uh, as of right now over South Carolina. Uh, they're not a team that has a really explosive offense, um, so they like to establish a run game and kind of win time and possession. Their quarterback, Connor Bazelak. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Yeah, Yeah, Bazelak. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, it's Connor Bazelak. Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman, and he's played well so far. Uh, he's 96 for 131 on the season, which is uh, 69.1% for 1,101 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. They like to throw a lot of underneath routes, you know, uh, shallow crossing routes, wide receiver screens, and then they'll take a shot downfield every once in a while. Uh, they use some pre-play uh, motion to, you know, try to throw off the defense and then throw a little short route to a slot guy or something like that. Uh, They like to use their backup running back, Tyler Beatty, out of the backfield some. Their offensive line has been pretty up and down in both the run and the pass game. Um, So it's kind of a question mark there. Uh, They like to run read options, speed options, RPOs, all sorts of different types of plays. They like to let their quarterback use his athleticism uh, because he is a pretty athletic guy that can extend plays. Their defense is, you know, middle of the pack. They're not bad they're not, you know, great or anything. They're definitely good enough to stop South Carolina's offense, probably. But, you know, with all this uncertainty around South Carolina, uh, they're going to need uh, a really big offensive game uh, to have a chance to win this one. With the injuries, like I said earlier, with the injuries and opt-outs on the defensive side of the ball, I don't even know who's going to be out on the field. But it's going to be it's going to be pretty bad. Um, the keys to the game defensive line kingsley nabari is actually leading sec in sacks right now so he needs to figure out a way to to put some pressure on their quarterback uh kevin harris is going to need another really really big game you know i'm thinking like 150 two touchdowns something like that would probably be nice uh shot smiths probably is gonna have to just keep doing what he's doing uh and, you know, I mean, I guess if the offense looks like they looked against Ole Miss, we'll be fine. But again, the defense just has so many question marks. And the, I think the Missouri offense is, is good enough to be able to hang on to the ball and then score some points. So it'll be really interesting, you know, and it'll be really interesting to see how the guys rally back, you know, the guys that are playing, how they rally back from losing their head coach and all that stuff. Uh, see if they show up to play or, or if they just kind of give up on the season but yeah it's going to be super interesting I mean we saw what Drinkowitz did to South Carolina last year when he was at ab State so I mean now he's at Missouri and South Carolina's but, even worse than they were last year so oof yeah not looking good but you know it's okay new horizons
3: yeah at least you've turned the page I mean right exactly you know Exactly. So, well, I guess with the, with that done, we'll just we'll just go straight into picks. What y'all think? Cool with that. Yeah. All right. So we'll hop right into picks. We got a good week this week. Uh, there's a bunch of t- uh, games that are going to be really tight in terms of spread. Uh, there's going to be a handful of really really good games. Um, some good night games. Good nooners. Um, so we'll just get right into it. Um, Friday night lights. We got. Purdue traveling to Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's a three-point home dog. Sid, who you got in this one?
1: Yeah, uh, Minnesota's just looks so poor. I don't know what's going on with P.J. Fleck and them, so I'm going with Purdue.
2: I am uh, going to ride with Purdue as well, and that is because – our boy Rondell Moore actually didn't play last weekend against Northwestern and they only lost about seven points. And Northwestern right. has yeah. a pretty pretty good team over there. He yeah, hadn't played all year. So I feel like they're gonna come out and beat Minnesota because like Sid said, they're not not looking too high right now.
3: Yeah. I mean Minnesota, I mean they have Muhammad Ibrahim at running back, who's just absolute bowling ball. And they've got Rashad Bateman. Who's Fah. Like they have some good offensive players like skill positions, but their defense is so bad. They're so bad.
0: Yep. Yeah.
3: So bad. And then they have to cover Rondale Moore. Nah. Purdue. Give me Purdue.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with y'all on this one. Like you said, Minnesota's defense has been just horrible. Tanner Morgan, their quarterback, hasn't really been able to pull it together quite yet, even with you know, weapons like you mentioned. So I'm taking Purdue. Hopefully, we do see Rondell Moore back on the field. Even if we don't, David Bell
3: is another good receiver they have. So Purdue all the way. All right, next one. Um, not really a close game, but I think it could be a good game. Uh, we have Indiana traveling to Ohio State. Ohio State's a 20-point favorite.
1: Yeah, if we were talking about spread here, I, I would I would probably take Indiana. I, mean, I, I feel like it's – I don't think it's going to be a 21-point 20, game. No, uh, me either. I, I think Penix is really good. I, I, I said earlier, I think I'm a fan of uh, Tom Allen. So, um, I, just, I just think Ohio State's offense is too – they're too good right now. They're rolling, and Justin Fields is just so damn efficient. So, I'm going to take Ohio State. Yeah,
2: I'm going with Ohio State too. Um, I was shocked when I saw it was – Almost by three touchdowns in the spread. Um, but you would love everything if Indiana won this game, to be Amen. quite honest with you all. <laughs> but Amen. that offense is just too good, man. Ohio State.
3: Yeah, same thing. Basically, exactly what Sid said. That's what I was going to say. So I would but I would love for Indiana to win. I don't know if I have a good feeling for him, but. I would, I would certainly love to see it. So, But I'm, I'm taking Ohio State comfortably.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Ohio State is just way too good. Um, I also would like to see Indiana win, but it's just not going to happen. I mean, Justin Fields has 11 incompletions and 11 touchdowns. So, I, I see that continuing going to Ohio State.
3: Yeah, Indiana is really the only team in their season that they're going to play that has a pulse. So, if this yeah. is the game to lose this is their only really shot um, so next game up we have Coastal at home playing App State Coastal's a five and a half point favorite here
1: yeah this one's also tough because I, I think App State is just typically a tough out no matter who's playing um, but I think Coastal's a really good team um, and I also I also like Jamie Chadwell and what he's got going on so I'm gonna go with
2: Coastal yeah, I feel like this game is going to be uh, pretty close. I think these are probably the two best teams in the Sun Belt right now. So, actually, is, is Coastal in the Sun Belt?
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. But so it's um,
3: Georgia State, Louisiana, Georgia Southern, six and two. There's some good teams in the Sun yeah, Belt. Yeah,
2: there are there are some good teams, but I think both of these teams have beaten Southern and Georgia State. Or I know um,
0: App State Coastal. just Coastal's just both of them. App State just beat Georgia State, and yeah, Coastal has beaten Georgia State
2: and Georgia Coastal Southern. slaughtered Georgia State.
0: Yeah, and Coastal <laughs> beat Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. So, so
2: I think I think Coastal is a better team. So I'm I'm going with yeah. Coastal.
3: Yeah, Coastal. They're going to roll. Their quarterback, Grace McCall's, he's a freshman, but he could sling it. So they're they're probably going to dog App State, honestly.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention their quarterback. He's got thirteen hundred yards. 16 touchdowns, one interception. I mean, you know, yeah. have your, have, your, have yourself a year, kid. Dang. But, but, yeah, I'm going Coastal Carolina. I just think they're the better team.
3: All right, so next we got a really – another interesting game. Uh, LSU traveling to Little Rock. Or, no, they're traveling to Fayetteville to play Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas is a one-point favorite here. So, Vegas has it as a toss-up.
1: Yeah, what a toss-up. Um I, I like what Pittman's got going on. I think he's a damn good coach. This game, I feel like either LSU could just, you know, score 40, kind of what they did to Carolina, or our, I don't know if Arkansas's offense is good enough, but I, I'm torn, but I'm just going to go with Arkansas.
2: Yeah, I'm going with uh, Arkansas, too. I think the biggest difference in this game is Arkansas' defense. Yeah. Um, you know, these past couple of games. It didn't look good in the first half against Tennessee, um, but they held them to no points in the second half. Um, so I'm, I'm going with Arkansas.
3: Yeah, make it three for Arkansas because Barry Oden, their defensive coordinator, like like you said, they give up a bunch of yards, but they get turnovers when it matters. Mm-hmm. So Arkansas is like a sneaky good team with Sam Pittman. So I, I, and plus I feel like all the stuff that's going on at LSU, like they're probably ready to all opt out and quit it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I was
0: just about to mention this is this is definitely a toss up game, like you said, with everything that's going on with the with whatever's going on. I think that's a distraction for the team. Um, yeah, Arkansas is a sneaky good team, and I think they can pull it out here.
2: So yeah, Arkansas.
3: Felipe's been pretty good lately. So
2: he's had a pretty yeah, good season. No, after after the first after the first week, really, when they played us, yeah, they played Georgia. He's been doing pretty good.
3: Yeah. Um, so next game, uh, we go to some American Conference. Um, we have uh, UCF hosting Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a six point favorite here on the road. This is
1: another game. Like, we picked some really interesting games this week. So I, I guess I'm gonna go with Cincinnati. I think UCS offense brings a different kind of challenge to, to use, uh, I mean to Cincinnati's defense, which is pretty damn good. I'm be interested to see how that NASCAR offense does against them. But um, I, I think Cincinnati is actually a pretty good team. So, I think they'll they'll keep from uh, getting upset.
2: Yeah, I'm riding with Cincinnati here, too. Um, You know, I, I just think they're the better team in this matchup. You know, but who knows? But I'm thinking Cincinnati.
3: Yeah, same here. Cincinnati just beat the brakes off of SMU, another high-flying offense. So, I'd be stupid not to pick Cincinnati here. Yeah,
0: I'm with y'all on that. Cincinnati is just on a hot streak right now. For a little comparison here, UCF lost to Memphis, and Cincinnati beat Memphis. They dogged Memphis, 49
1: to 10. So Cincinnati wins. I like there the connections. Go. I like the connections. That that there you go. that's when I really started getting hot, Jacob. When I started making all these connections. It's, so it's simple math. That's the turnaround.
3: It's simple math.
1: That's, that's, big math,
3: bro. That's what I'm hoping for. All right, next game uh, we have Northwestern and Wisconsin. Wisconsin, the road team here, but a seven and a half point favorite.
1: I'm I'm actually going Northwestern here. I think Northwestern's a pretty pretty solid team. Um, behind right. Indiana, I I think they're they're fighting for that third best Big Ten team. So I'm going with yeah, the Northwestern. I'm, I think Northwestern's going to pull this
2: one out. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going I'm pulling for the upset as well. Uh, okay, I am uh, rhyme with Northwestern right here. You know it's tough to say because they're you know they've only played a couple Big Ten's only had a couple games, but you know they've beaten they dogged Maryland in week one, and Maryland hasn't lost since. You know they beat Maryland by forty five in the first week. You know, but I just I just feel like they're gonna come out and beat Wisconsin.
3: Yeah, I uh, I disagree. I I think with Graham Mertz balling right now, assuming they play this game because you know, COVID or whatever. But assuming they play this game, I think I think Wisconsin should win. Um, but I agree with y'all. I think is a good enough team to beat them. Uh, so it should be a really interesting game. But I'm, I'm I'm taking Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, Sam, I'm with you. I'm going with Wisconsin. Graham Mertz has been extremely efficient and. In- yeah, they've only had two games, but he's been extremely efficient in both of them. And their defense has actually played pretty well. So, I'm sticking with Wisconsin here.
3: Good pick. So next game we have Pitt playing host of Virginia Tech. Hokies come in as a three-and-a-half point favorite.
1: Uh, I'm going Virginia Tech here. Uh, Virginia Tech played Miami pretty well. And just with Pitt losing some guys on defense and then Paris Ford and all that, I – I just don't think Pitt's as good, even with getting uh, a somewhat
2: healthy Kenny Pickett back. So I'm going to go Virginia Tech. Yeah, I am uh, riding the uh, Virginia Tech train on this one.
3: Yeah, despite getting beat by Liberty, they actually played Miami pretty good. So, uh, But Virginia Tech can really run the ball. Pitt has a pretty good front seven. uh, So it'll be interesting to see. I think this is, again, a a three-and-a-half-point game. So the spread. It indicates it should be a pretty good game, but I'm, I'm taking Virginia Tech here. Hendon Hooker, kalulu Herbert, just too much.
0: Yep. I'm with you all the way on that. Uh, Virginia Tech's running back is an absolute beast. They've been able to run the ball really well this season,
3: so I expect that to continue. Virginia Tech yep. all the way. Another good pick. Next game, we have Auburn, 10-and-a-half-point favorites playing at home against Tennessee.
1: I can't pick Tennessee with Garantano at quarterback. And I don't know, maybe Auburn's getting this offense thing figured out with Bo Nix, and they put up a lot of points recently. So we'll go with
2: Auburn. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm picking Auburn here as well, mainly because they're the luckiest team in college football. They'll find a way to win, um, they always do. Um, you know, when the game's close, they find a way to win. I should rephrase that better. But um, another interesting fact: uh, Bo picks behind center for Auburn always plays significantly better at home.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, I read. Yeah. I read the stats uh, one day on Twitter, and I I forgot. I don't think he
3: has a home interception. Yeah, I don't think it, he has a home interception. It,
2: in his it, it was I, Nelson, and I was shocked uh, yeah. at how different it is. Like yeah. it's and so since it's in, he's you know, still not Jordan good. Harris, but yeah. But, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, that's that's why I'm going with Auburn right here, too.
3: Yeah, Auburn's offense has actually looked pretty good. They figured out, hey, if we give the ball to Tank Bigsby more, we'll probably score more points.
2: He's a beast.
3: Yeah, so that's what they've been doing. So, I hope they give it to him a lot, and they should win.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It should be a pretty decent game. But, like you said, Auburn's kind of figuring things out. Tennessee seems like it's crumbling a little bit, you know, not a not a South carolina size crumble, but crumbling a little bit. So, I'm taking Auburn here.
3: All right. So, to the game of the week, uh, we have Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma is the home team in this one. Uh, so, Mike Gundy and the boys on the road. Sid, who are you liking this one?
1: Uh, I think you got to go with Oklahoma. I think they're the better team. I think Oklahoma State's more one-sided. Their defense is a little bit better, but – Spencer's playing a lot better, and I just I just like Oklahoma in this game. And uh, I wish we would have been able to have CB on here to give us some more insight so I can make a more educated pick.
3: I'm still going to go with the Sooners. Yeah, it would have been really great if he showed up to his guest. <laughs> parents, but we digress.
2: Yeah, I was, I'm the same way, Sid. I'm with you because uh, it would have been interesting to hear, you know, what he had to say. I could have had
1: more a more educated okay. decision. You know. yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, because in this point, I'm just – half of me, honestly, deep down, I do want to pick Oklahoma State, but I feel like the smart choice is to pick Oklahoma because um, yeah. they've been playing a lot better since they got embarrassed those two weeks. So – And I feel like
1: – I mean, I don't, I don't know the series history. I just feel like OU doesn't lose to Oklahoma State a whole lot. I don't know if Mike Gundy's ever beat them. That was going to be my next question. How many times has Mike Gundy beat them? He's been there a
2: lot. I don't time. think he ever has. That would, be, that would be a crazy stat. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going with
3: Oklahoma here as well. Yeah, I uh, I, I agree with what you guys say um, in terms of Oklahoma being the smart pick and Spencer Rattler playing really good. Um, but I just I – just, I, I feel like Oklahoma State actually has a pretty good defense. Like, when they lost to Texas, pretty sure they had three turnovers inside their own, like, 50 inside their own side of the field. And they didn't give up, but I think maybe six points off of that. So I mean, I feel like their defense is actually really good. I mean, they had Texas had so many opportunities to get blown out, and Oklahoma just Oklahoma State just couldn't do it. So I feel like Oklahoma State is probably the better team this year. I want to pick Oklahoma, but considering where we at where we're at in terms of points, I'm uh, I'm nine points behind Sid. So if I can gain three points, I'm going to do it. And I get the game of the week wrong every week. So, but I'm, I'm going to Oklahoma State.
2: It's a good pick. Good pick.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I was looking to, you know, draw some comparisons here. You know, Oklahoma State lost to Texas. Oklahoma beat Texas. But then again, Oklahoma lost to Iowa State and Kansas State, and Oklahoma State beat both of them. So, you know, it's – I don't know how to interpret that. Um, but, you know, for Oklahoma to win – Spencer Rutherford is going to have to have a clean game. Uh, their guys outside are going to have to have to step up and have a good game, too. Uh, and they're just going to have to kind of try to shut down Chuba Hubbard, who's, you know, struggled a good amount this year. So, I think Oklahoma comes out with this one.
1: So, I feel much better about my pick. I just looked it up. And Gundy is 2-13 all-time versus uh, the Sooners. So, wow. not no bueno. They
3: ain't played this one yet, big boy. <laughs> you know it's kind of win it on the field.
2: Chuba Hubbard, after that Heisman year last year, only has 580 yards and, yep. five, and five touchdowns.
3: Yep. Yikes. That's no bueno. No. Plus Oklahoma's defense is actually playing better this year. I mean, if you want to look at numbers, they're they're playing a little bit better. So
1: statistically, yeah, they are.
3: They they I mean I don't really watch enough of them to really make the make a fair um critique of it though.
1: And they got that running back that uh, got suspended for a year.
3: Dude 29 is a freaking dump truck. He's a beast. Yeah, he's a big old boy. You know what I, I think I want to pick Oklahoma now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm picking him just for the three points.
1: Oh, it can I'm either it could either that. bring yeah. you up three points or put you three points further in the hole.
3: You gotta lock it down. And me and Me and Jacob have the exact same picks. So if I get, if I get that one, I'm I'm at the bottom by myself. I mean,
2: by me <laughs> <points>. <laughs> yeah, y'all. You and Jacob have the same ones. And me and Sid have the same ones. So it's gonna go one one way or the other after this weekend,
3: unless Oklahoma State wins. Yeah. So you're gonna Oklahoma ride with State. that? I'm gonna ride. With, I already said it. All right.
0: All right. Well, we're um, with it. Sid won last week. Again. Yep. Going
3: uh, us. seven and two, yeah, yeah. SME screwed us all. Yep. Yeah. So,
0: Sid, you got a minute? Say whatever you want. Go ahead.
1: Ain't really got much to say. Um, you know, I feel stupid about my pick against for Louisville last week. Um, cost you know my all my my listeners some money, I'm sure. And um, just you know, 15 and three in the past two weeks. I'm really turning a corner here for my picks. So feeling confident this week. Um, just need to keep putting putting some distance between me and the rest of you guys, and uh, you know, I'm just gonna take it from here. That's all I got, really. Oh, and I, I I hope that South Carolina hires Tom Allen. I think that's the guy you got to go get if if you're not gonna get Napier. So those yes, are those yes. are only uh. Oh and and I hope we take Ternelius Tatum from a, from y'all. No 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 harm, but he's well, he finna get an old miss. Oh well, that's the other site. Two four reporting that I don't trust him. Yeah, we'll, see. <laughs> some we'll snakes. See.
0: But yes, yeah, said I've been going off your picks, <laughs> betting a little money, and you lost me money.
1: So I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I, I had to apologize. That was a stupid pick. And yeah. uh they they just screwed us all. So that one's really not just on me. That's on all of us. Dude,
2: Wake. I thought Wake was about to do it for me. I thought I was about to get a heck of a pick right there.
1: Dude, they were doing it for you. And then all of a sudden they're like, nah.
2: Yeah, and they're like, oh wait, did Vinny picked us? Uh, ah.
3: Yeah. Miami,
1: yeah, Miami yeah. Barely, Miami tried to hurt us too. Yeah, Miami
3: tried to let all of us down. Yeah. Well then
2: two weeks ago, that happened to me. USC and Arizona State. I picked Arizona State. Yes, yeah. one by one point. I'm, like, if
1: you just if you just match my picks, like I'll lead y'all to the. Yeah. The, uh,
0: okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> high is. Oh Lord. You're down here with me not too long ago, so just relax. Yeah, but you see, I actually. <laughs> Jake, I got,
2: Jake, he climbed out of the hole. Jacob, you're still in it.
1: Yep. Yeah, Jacob, I got out of that hole and took
2: over. <laughs> it's okay. This big watch. Big this comeback.
1: Week, big comeback coming. This week, it's going to be total dog shit for me, and I'm just going to quit football altogether.
2: Well, the good news is, we're, you know, if there are upsets this week, I mean, we're all going to have the same pretty much record, unless unless Oklahoma State wins.
1: Yeah. I mean, me and DeVinny are going to have the same exact record this week. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks.
0: Yeah. Well, it is what it is, but. You know, everybody, thank you for tuning in to episode number 10 of the podcast.
3: Wow, the big one zero.
0: Yeah, lucky episode 10. But anyways, yeah, thank you so much for listening and peace.